Good ideas are like red wine. They need time in the cellar for refinement. Here's where I keep mine. Welcome to 55 Degrees. Today I start a new conversation, which technically isn't a conversation, since it's just me here talking to a microphone. But I like to think of it as a starting point. So if you and I were to meet and talk, we could use this topic as a starting point for our dialogue. I've titled this new series, The Faith I Always Wanted. Living according to faith has been something I've been doing since I was 17 years old. And along the way, I found myself questioning my faith with one primary query. Is there more or is this as good as it gets? Because there was always something nagging me when I would face a hurdle in life or when I would observe a lack of kindness or goodness among those who claimed my same faith. Surely there had to be more. I took a pretty hard turn about 15 years ago when I walked away from the representation of the church as we know it. I was a paid vocational pastor, seminary educated, a family man, trying to raise two kids to grow up in faith, but I wasn't seeing it in my own life. My faith was stale and stagnant. How would I ever teach my kids about faith if I myself showed no signs of it? That's when I decided to leave the church as we know it in order to find my faith again. Now, I don't espouse this as the choice you need to make. And some of you have already heard me saying that the church as we know it is irrelevant. And I'm not saying that. I am saying that I felt very strongly that something was missing for me. And the way I was going to find it again was to take a different path. To illustrate it, let me mention tattoos. I don't have a tattoo. I'm not planning to ever get one. Not because I think they're wrong, but that's just not the way I choose to express my individuality, my creativity, or my story. But a lot of people get them for various reasons, and that's completely up to them. It's just not for me. But my lack of having a tattoo might seem judgmental, to you and all your friends who have one or several. I watched people around me who seemed to fit into the way church was being done, but I increasingly felt it wasn't adequate to take me where I wanted my faith to go. It wasn't going to outfit me with the faith I always wanted that would in turn take me into a place I would never be able to go without it. I will say that once again, after 15 years, I have reconnected with the local church as we know it, all the while still looking for the church of the future, but more on that later. The first episode in this series, The Faith I Always Wanted, is it really that simple? And I will lay out why I believe that faith I've always wanted is incredibly simple. It's because I believe faith is available to everyone, 
That's why I believe it has to be simple. It has to be something anyone can grasp, especially for a child. Children have a sense of trust that allows faith to make sense to them. From the very beginning of life, a child is under constant sense of trust that someone will be there to take care of them. And for a child, someone older teaches that child about what the world is like. And we are shaped for good or bad by our parents and our family, our teachers and our caregivers. We started learning from an early age before we could even speak about what to expect in this life and how we will respond and adapt to it. We learn our values and our work ethic from those we are around, even our sense of right and wrong. The same is true for faith. We learn it from people around us that proclaim to have it and know how to use it. If I had good examples, chances are I might adopt them. But if all I ever saw was the incongruence of behavior that goes against what I sense to be true, then it's perfectly reasonable to reject that example. One only needs to look to late-night TV at the televangelists that espouse the idea that faith involves giving lots of your money to their ministry. And that's a pretty shallow idea and understandably rejected. Faith is a learned behavior. And just as a child learns how to walk and talk, it also grows up into maturity. Beyond those basic skills of just babbling sounds and toddling from the couch to the sofa, that same child might grow up to be fluent in multiple languages and travel around the world. But the child didn't start out that way. It had to grow up. And this is how I describe my faith process. I was handed an idea of faith when I was a young child by my parents and elders around me. And I accepted that idea as a 17-year-old. My main challenges at the time were just getting through college and what I was going to do over summer break. As I grew older got married, had a family, I started to see that young faith become challenged. Marital conflict, raising a strong-willed child, untimely death of a few young people close to me. How was I going to make sense of all this? The young faith that was handed to me had to grow up. It's at this point, many people just give up and carry on without it. And this does make sense. If all my examples of faith were abusive, negative, and meaningless, what would lead me to think there would be anything different? I can understand why people walk away from that kind of faith, but something in me felt like there had to be more. You see, it didn't make sense to give up and reject my faith carte blanche because I dreamed of a faith that was carte blanche. Carte blanche means blank paper. It has come to imply a granting of absolute freedom of action. Faith as it was handed to me felt terribly restrictive and small. I knew I was not going to move any mountains with it. 
It's important in any conversation to get the language right. Without common language, we will miss each other. And for me, the goal of good conversation is to be understood, not to be proven right. The ability to stop and understand another person's view is a lost art. I have to begin describing how I define faith, and, it, and it's not from me. It's a definition from Scripture out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're new to the Bible and consider where, considering where to begin, this is as good a place as any. So much is packed into this one chapter. You could spend days or weeks here mining it for all it's worth. And here's what it says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever comes to God must hold these two things at the same time. They must believe that God exists and... They must believe that he rewards those who seek him. Let me break this down a little bit. Since this is one-way communication and we're not sitting in the portico having a whiskey, I'll have to make some assumptions about your point of view. So when we get together next, you can let me know in person. But if I'm interested in pleasing God, I can only do so by faith. I can't do it without it. So the first objection, you might say, well, what if I don't care about pleasing God? What if I'm just curious and not sure he's really able to be pleased? Or if I even want to be a part of settling God down? If he's somebody that needs to be pleased, that sounds like a need I don't want to be any part of. And to this, I would say you seem already to be curious you're already asking what God, what kind of God needs to be pleased. And I think that's a great starting point. No one comes to God without a desire to do so. And that desire can be to prove it right or wrong. It's possible to come to God to believe or to prove that he is real or that he's just a figment of the imagination. Someone else, though, may be on the other extreme. You want to be a good person and you will do anything to please God. But unlike the skeptic, you will do whatever it takes because that's what you do with people. You get lost in what other people think. And that too is a good starting point. Regardless of skeptic or sympathetic, this still falls under that first requisite. Whoever comes to God must believe that he exists. The existence of God is the first step toward a life of faith, any movement toward God is an acknowledgement that he exists. So to please God, I have to ask, do I want to do that? And what does that mean? Is he hard to please? Or does it even matter what I think? So regardless of perspective of approach, the first step of faith is this. I must believe that he exists. And if you don't, this podcast may not be for you. But if you're like me, fascinated by behavior you don't understand, well, maybe you'll at least find this interesting. I'm interested in conversation, not argument or debate. So this seems pretty obvious. I can't please someone I don't believe exists. The second requisite is this. I must believe that he rewards those who seek him. And this 
This is where it gets a little controversial because there are two extremes here. Oh, I don't want anything from God. There are people who would say he deserves everything from me. I don't want anything. And it sounds noble, but it's not helpful because it isn't relational. Every relationship requires reciprocity, give and receive, because if it's not, it's not intimate. Intimacy requires vulnerability, even in relationship to God. There's the other extreme that God's going to make me rich. And this is where many have gotten stuck or gone off the rails. And much of our theology is based on the poor behavior of other people. Our beliefs become forged from reactionary responses, not based on an ideal. When the ideal doesn't get upheld, I think, therefore, it must not exist. The late night preachers on TV who have abused the ideal end up convincing you that it's, it's not real and it doesn't exist. That's why it's important to evaluate why you believe what you believe. And my, my desire is to help you see past those who have abused the ideal and remind you that it indeed does exist. When two extremes present themselves, it's always wise to find a middle point between the two. And this is the wisdom of Solomon. It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The one who fears God will avoid all extremes. And I refer to this as the wisdom of paradox. When there are two, extreme, two seemingly contradictory statements in a situation, this creates a paradox. And I believe this is why a life of faith is a good way to navigate paradox. Because I am both logical and intuitive. I rely both on rational sense and my gut feeling. God is both personal and infinite. He's both Father and Lord. To understand these outside the context of faith is impossible. And this is why I believe it's stated this way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Choosing to walk by faith will always lead to paradox. It's in the definition of itself. On the one hand, I am believing that he exists and I come to understand the majesty of God most high. But yet on the other, I'm believing that he rewards those who seek him. How can I serve God and want something from him at the same time? Thus is the beauty of discovering faith. And this is the starting point of the simple faith I always wanted. Each day I begin with an, an acknowledgement of God before anything before even opening a Bible or a book, I leave my phone on the charger and I just sit for a bit and contemplate the existence and the presence of God. And second, I let him know that I want to experience his reward in all its fullness. Whatever I can know about him, whatever I can have from him, whatever he has planned, whatever we can do together, I let him know that I want everything and I'm not afraid to ask big and keep on asking. And I am embracing that any effort toward him will not go unseen and unrewarded. And this is such a great place to be now. 
In the next episode, I will describe the faith I always wanted in terms of the father I always wanted. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.